The Earth Wants You is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping, a radical performance community based in New York City. We rely on you. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. If you want to support our work, and what is our work? We resist consumerism. We resist the military. We resist the commodification of the Earth and her resources. Earthaluya people, join us. Revbilly.com. Whoa, my favorite place on Earth. Gosh, my favorite place on Earth. My favorite place on Earth. Boy, you know, I sort of like any place on Earth, you know, is pretty good with me. Welcome to The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. here in Brooklyn, New York, with my co-host today, Killian Sunderman. Bonjour. Reverend Billy is away. But we hope we fill his shoes. Uh, today, the Philippine Eagle, lots of wild news from around the world, and the Zod. The zone are defendable. A utopian autonomous zone in Brittany, under threat. Reverend Billy has left the city for a few days, and I join you on my own today at the microphone. We have a wonderful show ahead of us, and I'd like to begin today with the news from the natural world. The world's largest oil companies this week posted some of their best earnings in years as they control costs and ride rising oil prices that are nearing $70 a barrel. Chevron on Friday said its first quarter profit surged by 36% from a year ago to $3.6 billion. Royal Dutch Shell did even better, reporting that its profit surged a stunning 67% to more than $5 billion. <sighs> Oil companies making a killing. Though conventional wisdom holds that overeating and a sedentary lifestyle are the main causes of obesity, increasing evidence indicates that additional risk may be conferred by exposure to obesogens, environmental chemicals suspected of influencing the development and maintenance of fat tissue. The insecticide DDT and its breakdown products are among many such suspected obesogens. A systematic review and meta-analysis in environmental health perspectives now concludes that the collective evidence supports the presumption that DDT is a human obesogen. DDT was banned as a result of concerned concerns about its adverse effects on wildlife and humans and its persistent in the, persistence in the environment. DDT was banned as a result of concerns about its adverse effects on wildlife and humans and its persistence in the environment, but in spite of the relatively limited use today, DDT is highly persistent in the human body, and most people throughout the world carry at least traces of it and its metabolites in their bodies. More than 40 companies, including Britain's biggest supermarkets, Coca-Cola, Nestle, and Procter & Gamble, have bowed to growing pressure to tackle pollution by committing to cut plastic use over the next seven years. The companies have promised to eliminate unnecessary single-use plastic packaging in the United Kingdom by 2025. They have pledged that 100% of plastic packaging will be reusable, recyclable, or compostable by that date. Environmental groups have welcomed the food retailers' actions but have said they do not go far enough. A new report says climate change and ocean rise will likely render many 
coral atolls uninhabitable within decades, before 2030 in a worst-case scenario and by 2065 in a more optimistic one. A Minnesota judge has made an official recommendation to state regulators that a proposed pipeline to carry tar sands crude oil across the state should follow an existing corridor through two Indian reservations and not the path preferred by the operator Enbridge Corporation. The ruling complicates matters for the company since it elevates the concerns of Native Americans who oppose the pipeline. The opponents said it gives them a better chance to fight the project. Earlier this year, the Red Lake Band of Chippewa in northern Minnesota rejected an $18.5 million offer from Enbridge to continue to allow a pipeline to pass through tribal lands and voted to remove the pipeline from their land. Thank you, Red Lake Band of Chippewa. $18.5 million is a lot of money to turn down. A massive oil refinery fire at the Husky Oil Refinery in Superior, Wisconsin, that burned for hours and threatened to rage out of control, was beaten down by firefighters Thursday night after noxious fumes forced a widespread mandatory evacuation of residents. A giant plume of oily black smoke from burning asphalt spread for miles and for hours after a series of explosions ripped through the Husky Energy Refinery Thursday morning, sending 11 people to the hospital and leading officials to order the evacuation of more than 70 square miles around the facility, including three schools and a hospital. No deaths were reported. The smoke plume had reached beyond Solon Springs, about 30 miles southeast, and appeared as a storm cloud on radar systems. The Australian Academy of Science and its New Zealand counterpart, the Royal Society Te Aparangi, are launching a 10-year plan to study and name unknown species, warning that a sound understanding of biodiversity is critical in the face of a global extinction crisis. Studies estimate that Australia is home to more than 600,000 species, only about 30% of which have been identified. The island continent is rated one of 17 mega-diverse countries that together are home to more than two-thirds of terrestrial biodiversity on less than 10% of the Earth's land. Australia is the sole developed country on the list. The plant taxonomist Dr. Kevin Thiel says at the current pace of discovery, it would take 400 years to document every Australian species. Unfortunately, many of them will go extinct in that same time period. A South Korean study suggests that women exposed to high levels of air pollution may have less success getting pregnant with fertility treatments or staying pregnant compared to women breathing clean air. So, higher levels of pollution make it harder to get pregnant, however you're doing it. Land degradation has reached a critical level across the globe, with 75% of land degraded and projections for an increase to over 90% degraded by 2050. The study shows that land degradation is causing significant losses in biodiversity and ecosystem services such as water purification, food security, and energy provision, and compromising the well-being of at least 3.2 billion people around the world. The most important driver of land degradation worldwide is the rapid expansion and unsustainable management of croplands and grazing lands, which now cover a third of the Earth's land surface. That expansion is driven by high per capita consumption in developed economies, coupled with rising consumption in developing and emerging ones, and amplified by sustained population growth in many parts of the world. That is why we are called the Church of Stop Shopping. Stop it. Stop shopping. Stop shopping, people. Australian researchers have discovered what is thought to be the world's oldest recorded spider, the 43-year-old 
Gaius Velosus, trapdoor <laughs> matriarch, 43-year-old spider who recently died during a long-term population study and has outlived the previous world record holder, a 28-year-old tarantula found in Mexico. <laughs> New research from the University of Adelaide has found that taking vitamin B6 could help people to recall their dreams. B6, vitamin B6, vitamin B6 lucid dreaming. There's a connection. A dead area larger than Scotland has been discovered in the Gulf of Oman. The dead zone was confirmed by underwater robots called sea gliders. They were able to collect data in areas of water previously inaccessible due to the piracy and geopolitical tensions in the Arabian Sea. There is almost no oxygen left in the dead zone, and most life can no longer be supported there. Larger than Scotland, right? In the Arabian Sea. Desert ants use the Earth's magnetic field to calibrate their navigational systems. When they first leave the nests at about four weeks, the insects exhibit a peculiar behavior lasting two to three days. They perform so-called learning walks to explore the vicinity of the nest entrance. They are learning to find the tiny hole in the ground where their nest is using the Earth's magnetic field. Wow. A daily dose of baking soda may help reduce the destructive inflammation of autoimmune diseases like rheumatoid arthritis. Scientists have some of the first evidence of how the cheap over-the-counter antacid can encourage our spleen to promote anti inflammatory environments in the body. Researchers found men with a stronger grip were more likely to be married than men with weaker grips. I have a very strong grip. Yeah. <laughs> grip strength was not a factor in the marital status of women. Grip strength is an established measure of health and has previously been linked to one's ability to cope independently and predicts the risk of cardiovascular diseases and mortality. I was lying. I don't have a strong grip. A chimpanzee troop in Sierra Leone was taught to scream alarm in unison when poachers approach, alerting nearby rangers to come to the rescue, achieving an 80% decrease in poaching. The researchers and trainers who taught them to scream were surprised to see the adult chimps pass this lesson on to their, to their young so ones. Good. And there's nothing cuter in the world than a baby chimpanzee. Trainers have also taught uh, and captive condors how to be more like wild condors. Um, they've taught polar bears to avoid anything associated with humans. And yeah, they're teaching the animals how to stay away from humans, mainly. Pakistan planted more than one million mangrove trees in 24 hours last week. Way to go, Pakistan. Human colds and other illnesses can affect gorillas. Turtles, water snakes, crocodiles, alligators, dolphins, whales, and other water creatures will drown if they are kept underwater too long. Wow. Wow, yeah, mysterious. Elephants and humpback whales are the only mammals that undergo menopause. Hmm. Interesting. Yorkshire Terrier is the world's smallest dog, and it weighs just four ounces. And finally, <laughs> the newborn Chinese water deer is sometimes so small that it can be held in a human palm. Aww. That's news from the natural world. <sighs> Interesting. There's just a blast of animal information there at the end. You know, I just can't get enough of the animals. The more, the, as I grow more and more weary of humans, I turn to the, like many of us, I turn to the animal world. Yeah. Uh, but there's just so much information about animals. And also, of course, so much that we don't know. 
I'm always struck when I'm doing the research for the natural news, uh, how much of the news is about oil and gas and resource extraction. And I just imagine sometimes what it would be like if the news was not dominated by fossil fuel. In other words, what our lives would be like if we were not dominated by fossil fuel. <laughs> Yeah, if you want to lose an hour on YouTube as well, uh, Google baby chimpanzees. It's uh, oh. it's a beautiful place on the internet to be. Magical. And to think that these trainers are teaching them to scream and then the adult chimpanzees teach their little babies to when they see poachers. And that is the correct response to a human being if you are an animal of any kind. Scream and run for your <laughs> life. Scream and run for your life. It's true. Humans, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So today, uh, we'd like to spend some time at the Zod. The Zod is a uh, incredible community near Nantes, France. We'll be speaking to JJ or John Jordan um, from the Lab of Eye in a little while. He's there now. But uh, before that, I thought we'd go to a, f a French song that I selected, uh, which is by the Irish choir called Anuna. It's Irish people singing in French. Um, Don't be alarmed. <laughs> well, here it is. Okay. Celts <laughs> on two sides of a body of water. My mom will be extremely delighted that I played that song. It's really amazing listening to those voices. They're sort of primal and, and um, totally refined at the same time. It's beautiful. I think they make it sound like Irish. It just sounds like they're singing Yeah, it does sound like Gaelic. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't 
Do you can you hear what they're saying? It's about uh, I think it's some sort of uh, a boat journey. I think uh, I know that some <laughs> of the people all Irish songs <laughs> are about a boat journey. All <laughs> island songs, I should say. It's called <laughs> Le Chanson de Mardi Gras, and um, I, I I heard a few times like the, uh, the guy the guy singing actually is Hosier, who's a famous singer now. And he is, uh, I think, referring, he's asking the captain, like, the guys don't want to go. The guys don't want to set sail. So I imagine there's bad weather and there's a ship and uh, the guys don't want to go. They're saying, no, no, don't make me go on that boat. Don't make me go on that boat. It's very beautiful. The Zod was initially set up as a protest against the building of a new airport for the city of Nantes. Following a letter by residents distributed during a climate camp in 2009, which invited people to squat the land and buildings and 4,000 acres of land there. Because, as they wrote in the initial letter, only an inhabited territory can be defended. Over the years, this territory earmarked for a mega infrastructure project evolved into Europe's largest laboratory of commoning. That's the commons, what we share. Before the French state started to bulldoze our homes, and this is written from the perspective of, of uh, a Zod resident, there were 70 different living spaces and 300 inhabitants nestled into this checkerboard landscape of forests, fields, and wetlands. Alternative ways of living with each other, fellow species, and the world are experimented with 24-7. This beautifully imperfect utopia in resistance against an airport and its world has been supported by a radically diverse popular movement, bringing together tens of thousands of anarchists and farmers unionists and naturalists, environmentalists and students, locals and revolutionaries of every flavor. Here's a clip now of a resident of the Zod, a Zodist. Uh, on the place to, firstly, to uh, fight again, um, against the, the airport, because uh, uh, the, the project uh, of the airport is uh, directly connected to uh, the capitalism all the consequences we are um, struggling uh, against are uh, consequences of capitalism. I'm here to bring back to Commune. But Commune, it's a really important thing because it's an opposition with the state. And the biggest opposition, if we don't consider the size, but the biggest difference is that the state is made by law and the commune is made by coutume. We have a uh, production of milk with mainly with the historic, uh, historical farmers uh, on, the, on the zone. Uh, then we have lands that are put in common. So those lands are used for growing potatoes, onions, whatever. We have the non-marché which is a non-market place. Prices are always uh, according to the resource the person has. So. Mm -hmm. uh, a guy living here made camembert, so oh, okay. real, real yeah, French yeah. cheese, and it's about perfection. It's maybe the most complicated uh, cheese to do. Notice how quickly uh, a French person can go between talking about political theory and then straight to cheese. Yes, yes. The pathway to intimacy is food. Um, no doubt about it. Just the word that he used there, uh, coutume, is custom. That's what it is. Right. The state is law, whereas the commune is custom. It's right. Custom. Thank you, Killian. Uh, so 
Life on the Zod. Uh, after almost nine years, everything changed this January the 17th when the French Prime Minister appeared on TV and canceled the airport project. And in the same breath, he said that the Zod, the outlaw zone, would be evicted and law and order returned. So the airport was canceled and the inhabitants of the Zod threatened with eviction. A united delegation of 11 people made up from the NGOs, farmers, naturalists, and occupiers of the zone attended negotiations with the state and did not flinch from the demand to set up a collective legal land structure rather than return these lands to private property and agro-business as usual. Uh, in the 1980s, a similar legal structure was put in place following the victory of a mass movement against the expansion of a military base on the plateau of the Larzac in southern France. With this precedent in mind, we, the people of the Zod, provided a legally solid document for a global land contract, but it was ignored. No legal grounds were given. The refusal was entirely political. And three days later, the evictions began. The battle lines were made clear. It was not about bringing law and order back to the zone, but a battle between private property and those who share worlds of capitalism against the commons. The Battle of the Zod is a battle for the future and one that we cannot lose. On Monday, the 9th of April, the biggest police action since May of 1968 began. Hundreds of police vans, tanks, armored vehicles, bulldozers, helicopters, and milita militarized police began destroying structures and evicting the inhabitants of the zone. Perhaps the easiest way to sum up the Zod, um, I think from our position here in New York, is this quote from a long essay on, on Crime Think, one of my favorite anarchist resources. Uh, and it ends this way, in opposition to the old leftist myth of a future revolution that will liberate us all one day, like a miracle or prophecy, we believe that the present is the greatest imaginable gift and the best time to engage in a struggle. 
As some friends once wrote, there's no secret for revolution, no grand dialectic, no master theory. Revolution is simple. Go out and meet folks who are just as passionate as you are. And if they don't realize it, help them along the way. Combine forces, scheme, and make plans. Then do it. Um, and the Zod really embodies this ethos, in, in my opinion, um, and has been an inspiration to activists all over the world for these almost 10 years now. Um, we're going to call John Jordan and his partner, Isabel Fremo, who, who cannot be on the interview today, but um, they run the Laboratory of Insurrectionary Imagination, uh, or the Lab of I. Check it out. Um, they are wonderful activists and artists. So let's get JJ on the phone. Uh, he joins us on the phone from France. And so it is an international call, be warned. Um, <clears throat> JJ has worked for decades now on the vanguard of creative activism and has taught us all so much about it. And it's really my honor to welcome him today. How are you doing over there? Well, it's an honor to be on your wonderful radio station as well. Uh, we're doing okay. It's been uh, four weeks of uh, pretty intense uh, struggle on the land here, but today I can hear the birds and not the um, sound of uh, sun grenades, so I'm good. Tell us briefly what has been happening there at the Zod, and, and just if you would, a, a, a small history of your uh, experience there and when you came to the land and what you've done there. So the Zad is this 4,000 acres of liberated territory uh, against uh, an airport, and it's wild, and we won against the airport uh, in January. Um, so we came when it was still a struggle against the airport. Uh, we'd always had links with uh, anti-airport struggles, climate crimes uh, via the climate camp. And in fact, it was a climate camp that uh, launched the ZAD back here in 2009, inspired by English climate camps uh, around that period, which we were very involved in. So we, there was already kind of these kind of links. Uh, and we moved to France um, to set up a community not so far from here. And bit by bit, we fell in love with what was happening here and we moved here eventually, that was about two years ago. Partly because for us, the, the key to any struggle is the kind of, the, for us, the kind of uh, DNA of any uh, real revolutionary struggle is when you mix the construction of alternatives, the construction of post-capitalist lives with uh, a resistance project, with blocking uh, business as usual. And the ZAD was extraordinary for that because it really brought together this, this fight against an airport and we fought by building alternative society here uh, in, in many different forms. But so it had this yes and the no and the protest and the proposition. And for us, that's, there's nothing better than, than, than to live in a place like that. Uh, so one of the slogans I remember reading first um, there at the Zod was against the airport and its world. And I was really struck by that. Could you tell me what you think its world means in that context, against the airport and its world? I mean, uh, so that, what makes the ZAD very special is its enormous diversity. So uh, I can tell you what I think it means, uh, but you could talk to any of the 300 people that live on this zone in 70 different uh, living collectives, and they may all have a slightly different version of it. Uh, the way I understand it is to say that, you know, it wasn't just a struggle against an airport. It wasn't just a struggle against 
time that it wasn't just a struggle against uh, uh, the destruction of, of the countryside or uh, the destruction of nourishing land and farmland and wetlands and biodiversity. It was against everything that that airport represents, which is uh, a kind of desire to control uh, through the urbanization, which is capitalism, which is all forms of domination, whether that's domination of humans against humans or uh, humans against the uh, uh, other, spe other species. So it, it was everything that that, that airport uh, uh, embodied, in a way, all forms of domination and, and destructive practices of capitalism. That, that's how I read it. And it meant that, so therefore, when the airport was cancelled in January uh, this year, uh, we were still here, uh, still trying to create this, 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 these other ways of being together, being amongst, uh, how to work together, work without hierarchy, and so on. And so we're still against its world, even though we've won the struggle against the airport. And that's the problem for the French state, of course. They can't have an example of uh, people who live in an ungovernable way, who've shown that it's possible to live without the police for, for nearly eight years, who've shown it's possible to live without hierarchy for that time, to live with different relationships uh, amongst ourselves and to share things in common. And, of course, no government can have, especially not at the scale that this is, which is 4,000 acres, 70 different living collectives, no government can have a a place that gives such a, an example to the world and, and can begin to give hope that it's possible to live by capitalism and the state. Right. I think it, you've been in a pitched battle now for weeks, um, and it really must seem like a, an occupying army coming in there. Can you talk a little bit about what you've gone through? Uh, you know, you, you spoke earlier about n not hearing the sound of grenades, that you can hear the bird the bird song this morning. So... Tell us a little bit about what you've been through in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we... So it wasn't like it came uh, unexpected. Uh, we we were expecting it. They We even pretty much had a, a date eventually where we knew they were going to come, which in itself is pretty weird. You're, you know, you're kind of continuing the daily life as normal, but you're preparing for what's coming, and, and we knew it would be a, a huge uh, operation. I mean, we already were told that it would be 2,500 cops, uh, several armored cars, uh, drones, uh, helicopters, uh, 200 video cameras. Um, so it was pretty strange waiting to be attacked, <laughs> waiting for the war to come, uh, and then going to bed the night before thinking, okay, um, we're going to be woken up at some point, and... We don't know how it's going to start, whether they're going to evict our house or houses a long way away or the house next door or the forest, the houses in the forest opposite our house. Or you know, We had no idea. Um, we knew the government had said it would be targeted eviction, so we had some idea. Uh, the reason they said it was targeted evictions is because we've been in negotiation with the government since the abandonment of the airport, um, which has been quite a complicated process, but that's partly because we want to save some of this zone. And uh, the um, targeted evictions, uh, they, the government have been trying to basically divide the movement here by saying there's the good Zedists and there's the bad Zedists, mm -hmm. uh, and that they were going to evict the bad Zedists and leave the good Zedists. And, of course, it's a complete fantasy. Um, we're all bad Zedists. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so... It arrived. It started at 3:20 in the morning, and we uh, just with 
hundreds and hundreds of police vans appearing. Uh, the, the helicopter had been flying over days, for days and days and days, so that was anything new. But at 3 a.m., we just jumped out of bed and, and went to all the posts that we had, and we have a very complex uh, kind of system of uh, walkie-talkies and pirate radios mm-hmm. and CBs, so immediately people jumped on those, and um, everyone went to where, where they had to be for that, uh, and um, they immediately kind of created a, a kind of clash point on this one lane mm-hmm. about uh, a mile from where we are, uh, and then started to destroy lots of cabins uh, with the bulldozers and so on. Um, and it started to, to, to fight pretty strong. I mean, there's a very strong uh, culture of diversity of tactics here on the zone. Uh, it's what saved us in 2012. If there had just been kind of nonviolent resistance, uh, they would have been cleared out by the cops very quickly in the eviction in 2012 when they tried to evict the right. airport. Uh, and what happened is there was really this coming together of uh, nonviolent tactics, of uh, creative forms of resistance, of um, uh, more you know, um, full-on, um, yeah. more full-on black block type right, action. Right. So you had everything from track tractors blocking roads. To, the pension of singing at cops and I saw some and, beautiful and again I saw some beautiful images of, of cabins surrounded in a circle uh, by tractors protecting them mm-hmm. I mean the tractor has been one of our incredible weapons of, of defense in fact uh, and the links between the farmers has been absolutely extraordinary um, and without those links uh, they would have built the airport and what's incredible is that many of those links have remained even though now the rugby is no longer for the airport, but for this this kind of uh, alternative ways of, of, of living and so on. So we still got that support, which is quite extraordinary. How did it feel to you, John? I mean, you've spent a lot of time on the street yourself. I, I'm sure you've seen a lot on the streets of Europe and other places. I mean, how did it feel different to you uh, for them to come into the place where you live, where you make your home, where you make your life? Um, in, in many ways, it's... Um, it's uh, it, it's we have a um, advantage in many ways because we know uh, the land here. We know the blockage. We intimately know the the paths and the hedgerows and the forests and how to get from one place to another if they block the roads and so on. That knowledge of the territory is, in a way, it gives you a lot of a lot of strength. Um, and they they don't like blockage. I mean, it's lots of hedgerows. Uh, they can't see over the hedgerows. Uh, there's loads of mud. They get stuck in the mud. Their engines get stuck in the mud. Their tanks get stuck in the mud. Uh, so in, in many ways, we, we have a, a great advantage of being uh, knowing the territory. And, of course, in many other ways, it's absolutely horrific to see. Well, we haven't had our house knocked down, but to see um, many friends' houses knocked down and then, you know, some some places that they spent six years building up for nothing where they built, you know, cabins and um, uh, gardens and greenhouses and uh, and all sorts of extraordinary infrastructure and just seeing bulldozers coming in and just crushing that uh, into smithereens and then taking everything away, leaving no no trace at all so that uh, as if the, the memory of that place has been erased. It's so remarkable to see that kind of imagery and to see... Uh 
you know, European people in that situation, right? We're so accustomed to seeing that imagery from the global south and from, you know, mm-hmm. so-called developing nations, but it is um, stark to see uh, the empire in its own lands, right? So talk a little bit about what an autonomous region really is and, and how it, it really is a kind of sovereign place, if you would. I mean, uh, it's, um, of course, it's, it's, it's messy, <laughs> as all utopias are. Uh, it's, it's complicated, but it, it, it kind of works. Uh, so here we've got uh, all kinds of different infrastructures. We've got uh, uh, pirate radio stations. We have uh, a, a weekly newspaper that comes out. Uh, we have breweries. We have uh, bakeries, two different bakeries that produce bread nearly every day. Uh, we have a pasta-making uh, uh, workshop. Uh, we have a rap a studio for rap singing. Uh, there's um, a, a library, there's loads of market gardens, there's a flour mill, uh, there's an incredible wo- uh, uh, sawmill for making wood, using wood from the forest. Um, so there's all these incredible pieces of infrastructure that have been built up over the last seven years. Uh, we haven't had the police here since that period either, so we've also had a, a community justice system uh, to deal with because uh, there's a, you know, like anywhere, there are there are violent, violent acts that take place here between people, and especially as the, the kind of social diversity of this place is mm-hmm. huge. It's not just a load of nice uh, white uh, middle class uh, yeah, of uh, 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 folk. It's really that wouldn't very, be a very utopia. Diverse, of, no, <laughs> you wouldn't. Uh, lots of lots of you know folk from 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 the streets. Lots of people with addiction problems and alcohol problems and. And lots of diversity of, 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 of approaches, political approaches, and so on. So uh, incredible diversity, and, and lots of tension, and and and, and, and sometimes violence. So uh, you know, so we've had to have a, a, a system of, of communal justice uh, as well. Um, everything is run through assemblies. We have a whole series of different assemblies: one for the inhabitants, one for the movement, one for the commoners uh, that run the, the entire uh, land structures. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of what it looks like. I mean, it's um, it, it also is very, very you know you can go from one end of the zab and you'll see someone living in a hut, refusing to use any kind of machinery, no electricity, uh, no running water, and go and go to the other, and you can see a state-of-the-art uh, cabin with running water, electricity, chainsaws. Uh, uh, it's also very, 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 very different forms of life uh, on this territory. Well, what do you see happening now? I mean, I know there's always a danger in these types of situations that uh, somehow it gets co-opted, right? This turns into some, some way to kind of gentrify or, uh, you, you know, just develop. I say that with quotes around it, develop the land towards some like wonderful liberal, you know, market <laughs> utopia instead of what it is right now. So what's next there at the Zad, do you think? I mean, this is the big, big question for us. I mean, there's been a, so we've, you know, uh, we've decided what, what the, the, the government said, has said, is they've been saying, uh, fill in these individual forms for individual land rights so that, and prove that you're a farmer and that you can, you need a certain acreage to do your production and prove that it can be productive and do it as an individual. And we've been saying, no, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we always said with the movement, uh, farmers and different uh, compositions of the movement, we always said two years before the airport was cancelled, we said, because there won't be an airport, these are the six points of the ZAD. So it was a kind of prefigurative document. And in it, it said, we will uh, run together collectively through an entity that comes out of the movement, the land in common. Uh, this land that we save from concrete and from uh, a huge infrastructure project. So the fact that we save this land, gives us, we think, gives us the right to look after it. Mm-hmm. Um, the government, of course, has said, uh, no, uh, you can't do it as, as a commons. You have to do it as, as individuals. Mm-hmm. And so we've taken the risk in the last few days to play their paper game and to kind of build a, a bureaucracy barricade and to kind of hack the, these individual forms to provide uh, projects which say that show that the whole thing is very inter- interdependent. So you can't have one um, uh, field where there's a shepherdess, but then she'll uh, t- the field will become a wheat the next year, and then the wheat links obviously to the bakery and to the flour mill, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to the shepherdess. And so all these things you can't have just an individual project because everything is interdependent. Uh, and of course, this means legalisation. Uh, this has caused a lot of uh, conflict on the zone. Uh, there are people who are very against legalization. It's, it's a minority. I don't like the term minority, but of the 70 different um, uh, uh, places on the ZAD, 63 decided to go, well, are covered by this, this attempt at hacking the forms to, to at least say we've got some projects, but there are projects in common. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who are against it, of course, their big fear is that it's just going to become a gentrified zone with, you know, nice eco-alternatives and so on. Uh, we're trying to say, well, no, because actually we're revolutionaries and we're going to try and make sh- absolutely sure that doesn't happen mm. and this place will be a base uh, with all these material infrastructures that we have uh, for uh, uh, supporting our, uh, struggles all the time. I mean, just yesterday we had 15 postmen, postal workers uh, coming from uh, um, being on strike for 108 days and they came and set up a post office on the zone and <laughs> so there's all these wow. incredible links between unions and and, and bus and, and, and farmers and so on that will remain uh, but it's a danger when you don't have the no anymore mm-hmm. when you don't have the direct resistance against the airport mm-hmm. the danger is you can just become an alternative and I think that will right. be one of the things we need to fight against the, the hardest uh, over the next years, but we have no idea how it's going to turn out. Well, the Zod has always been a a beacon for so many of us elsewhere, looking at it and and studying it and watching it and thinking, wow, this is possible. It's it's still happening. It's still happening. They're doing it. They keep doing it. They keep fighting. And so many times you thought, oh, it can't possibly, you know, in 2012, I remember just seeing battles on the streets, you know, of Nantes and and thinking, wow, they're going to they're going to hold on and you did you know so uh, from out here it looks already like such a huge success what you've done there and i want to i want to thank you everyone there you know not just you but the, the hundreds and probably now thousands of people who've who've worked there and um, put their energies and efforts into the land and that struggle which is so inspiring to so many people out here who seem to have no vision of an anti-capitalist future of of a of a any other future besides capitalism mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean uh you know i think it's we 
it's been extraordinary, and I think it, it, we, I think there is a chance it will remain an extraordinary place. Of course, it won't be the same, Zad, and the government has said on the 14th of May that they will come back and evict all those who are not uh, covered by the the forms. I mean, of course, that goes back into this idea of dividing us uh, right. up. We have no idea what that will mean, but we we do hope that you know, a form of Zad will remain and it will still inspire people, and that we you know will still be able to come here and be inspired in, in some way. How can people help from outside the Zad? Is there, some, is there something you need? Is there something that we can do with you, for you? I mean, the, the solidarity actions that have happened all over the world have been incredible. There's been everything from uh, actions in Rojava. Uh, there's been uh, people drawing uh, on the beaches of New Zealand. Uh, we've had uh, people sabotaging the... Um, parking lots of the America, of the, the French embassy in Munich. We've even had uh, people boycotting French kissing. Uh, so it's been incredible uh, solidarity actions everywhere, and every one of those actions, however big or small, uh, really keeps us going. So uh, you know, those those kind of things are, are incredible. And you know, passing on the information because that isn't super known in the Anglo-Saxon world. So. Passing on the stories of possibility and all that is also really, really important and, 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 and valuable for us. Um, JJ, thank you so much for your work uh, now and over these many years. Um, so grateful for your presence on Earth. And um, I'm sorry Isabel cannot be here with us, but please give her our best as well. And um, let us know what's happening, um, and we will be in touch soon. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Total pleasure. Take care of yourselves and build autonomy where you are. Wow. John Jordan. Check him out. The Lab of Eye with two eyes. Amazing work over many, many years. Uh, and keep yourself informed about the Zod and what's going on there. And now we're going to go back to the song we played last week, but we can't get enough of this song. Berta, Berta. Check it out.
So this song is about a woman, a slave woman who's freed and stays loyal to her man who is still enslaved. Berta, Berta. And she's going to she's going to hold out and marry that man. Berta, Berta. It's a field recording. You can hear there's a man coughing in the in the cut. He's really coughing. And there, there's that bird. We turn now to another bird. Extinction's got talent. Today, the Philippine eagle, also known as the monkey-eating eagle, also known as Haring. Iban or Hariban, meaning bird king. The bird king is one of the most powerful, largest birds in the world. It is a rare bird found only in the Philippines. It was discovered in 1896 and was named the monkey-eating eagle because it eats monkeys. <laughs> the bird is brown and the head has long brown feathers that look like a lion's mane. It is the world's tallest and largest winged eagle. The lifespan of the Philippine eagle is 30 to 60 years. It mates for life. Its fledglings will be taken care of by the parents for at least 20 months. And it was a prized trophy for hunters. And once firearms became widely available in the Philippines after World War I, the number of eagles killed for sport skyrocketed. The total wild population of the Philippine eagle is now estimated to be under 200. Once found in thick, mountainous forests on most of the larger Philippine islands, the eagle is absent now from many of those islands. And here, the sound of the bird king.
I like to think of what that eagle can see, how much it can see, how much it sees in its long, long eagle life. Today we spoke to JJ, John Jordan at the Zod, about another possibility, another way of living. He talked about the yes-no, of, of saying no to something and saying yes to something else at the same moment. Uh, we have in our history here in the U.S. Uh, many social movements to look to, to guide us now. But there are lessons we gain from a place like the Zod um, in its modern context that are very, very helpful. I, I want to close with a, uh, a quote from a Zodist, and he was, or she, I don't know who, who said it, if it was male or female, speaking to an activist at Standing Rock a couple of years ago with recommendations of what to do. <laughs> All the things you dream of, do them now while your enemies are reeling, trying to figure out their next angle of attack. There won't ever be less repression, less police and private security, less drones and dogs. I personally regret not pushing harder before our possibilities shifted, not taking things to the fullest expression they could have reached. I hope you won't have these same regrets. Well, that's my call to all of you today. Don't have these regrets. Let's push hard before our possibilities shift. Thank you for listening. This is The Earth Wants You. I'm Savitri D. here in Brooklyn with Killian Sunderman. This is a project of the Church of Stop Shopping. Wish you were here, Revan. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. I uh, I really enjoyed that show, but is there any way I can contact you guys about, you know, I have, I have an opinion and I want to reach out to you. How do I do that? Well, absolutely. RevBilly at RevBilly.com. And I'm Savitri at RevBilly.com. It's easy to reach us. Go to our website. You'll find a contact button right there. You can reach us on, on the corporate sites, but we prefer a direct connection. I'm not even going to mention those places because I want to hear from you. Savitri at RevBilly.com. Well, I'm a young, hip, cool millennial. Are you guys on those social medias as well? Easy to find us there. You just have to do some combination of Rev, Billy, Talon, Stop Shopping. You'll find us in a second. And we'll uh, trade uh, the old-fashioned street address. Our phone numbers are public. We're trying to trust the world right now and invite other people to be what we call direct friends. Yeah, Not through corporations, Let's just trust each other. Let's get know? back to that original media. Talking, listening. I talk to you, you listen to me. I no, listen I, to I you, know some of you the, talk Some of you me. work for Donald Trump. Some of you work for Vladimir Putin. You'll be contacting us as well. Well, come on in. I got one final question, okay? I really like this episode of the podcast, but I want to listen to all the other episodes. Is there anywhere where this is available online? You can find all of our previous episodes at revbilly.com slash radio they're all there or you can go to soundcloud and again do that wonderful search rev billy you'll find it in a second and it's all there amen <laughs>